Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion, a Friday morning and top of the morning, whatever that means, top of the morning to each and all of you. Sandra and Dee and Kim and Margaret, Gail, thank you. Thank you and each of you for making this an incredibly special time, a place that we can get together and encourage one another. You make this happen. Uh, thank you for sharing this, sharing this to your friends, families, maybe interested coworkers, people that you think would be interested in this and in joining in with our group. Thank you for that. Follow the page like the page, share the page. You know the story. So thank you, James, Earl, Billy. Thank you, Carly, Joy. Thanks each and every one of you. Today, Friday, October 23rd, when God says enough. Wow. I believe God has great plans for his church. I believe God has plans for each of you, every one of you, every one of you during this season. We've got the confidence that all is well in the end that the one seated upon his throne is going to receive the glory due his name, and that your life, my life, will count for the kingdom, and that you and all those around you will rejoice now and will rejoice in the coming kingdom. How? How can we have that assurance? Because the word of God is true, and his promises stand sure, and God is faithful. Can I get a witness to that? Amen. He is faithful and he's just. He will not forget his promises to us. He will not forget you and me. He is the good shepherd, the good shepherd and a great, great God in our lives. That doesn't mean we won't be tested and we won't be tried. And thank you this week for just permitting me to explore Five days of prophetic themes, just to look into the future, and yes, there is trouble. Sorrow first, we saw yesterday, but joy is coming in the morning. Trying to put our finger on where we are in God's clock. I, I, I read an article a while back called Future Church, and I, I kind of like that, that phrase, future church. They seem to go together. Future. There is a future in the church. You have a sure and certain future. Jeremiah said, God thinks good things about you. The church has a future. God has great plans for his church. And we can even speak of this earth's future as we did yesterday. What God has planned for this world, that there is a brand new world coming. First Thessalonians 5, but concerning the times and season, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, Paul said, for you yourselves know perfectly. Yeah, that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. When you hear everybody saying peace and safety, sudden destruction coming is coming as labor pains upon an expectant woman, and they shall not escape. Notice the pronouns. They shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. So much in that passage. And as you know, this week I've been drawn to 1 Thessalonians, that rapture-ready church. He said, the times, the seasons, no, you don't need, 
that I write to you. You know the times and the season. That church was highly anticipative of what the future held. They fully expected the Lord to return to catch them away as a thief in the night. This was their forecast of their future, their firm expectation. Economist Edgar Fiedler had some rules to forecasting. Edgar said, number one, it's very difficult to forecast especially about the future. That's a little tongue-in-cheek comment. Second, he said, he who lives by the crystal ball soon learns to eat ground glass. The third thing he said, the moment you forecast, you know you're going to be wrong. You just don't know when and what direction. And finally, number four, if you're ever right, never let them forget it. I realize that forecasting economy and forecasting trends and stock markets and things, that's unclear. But the word of God is clear. We are to keep the hope of Christ's soon return alive in our hearts and minds. Say one to another, Maranatha, our Lord comes. Jesus said that only a wicked servant would say that a master delays his coming. This is a question on people's lips all around us. What is happening in this pandemic world? Tension is gripping our world. Threats in any given country that you can name. Bombings here, there, terrorist acts proliferate. What is going on? We are witnessing so many things, and you've heard me list and enumerate several of them. I won't won't spend a lot of time with this today, but we're seeing the demise of the family sacred act of marriage dethroned, not only by civil authorities, but this week by religious ones as well. Child abuse increasing, especially during this season we're living in. 50% of juvenile offenders today were abused in their younger lives. Prisons packed with people who didn't have father figures in their life. What's on, what on earth is going on? We are witnessing a collapse of the family, of morals and ethics, prayer, The name of Jesus spoken aloud is outlawed in public settings. Nominal Christians, those believers in name only. uh, One study after another say that many so-called Christians differ little in their morality or lack thereof than non-believers in lying, cheating, stealing, all about the same. What on earth is going on? What on earth? It it was September of 1938, one of the greatest storms ever experienced Uh, occurred on the East Coast of the United States. Its impact was so great on the East Coast that it registered a seismograph, that 40-foot tidal surge. It registered on a seismograph in Sitka, Alaska, and that's a mighty long way from the East Coast. Ocean spray and foam whitened windows over 200 miles away from the storm's landfall in the state of Vermont. And as the storm surge came across Long Island, people raced to their cars to drive inland. Like the storm of 1900, there was no warning. And those who should have known either ignored the warnings or just didn't believe them. There's an interesting story that happened here. One man purchased a barometer a few days before the storm. You know, that measures the air pressure. And when he unpacked it, the needle pointed below 29 which the dial read, this is hurricanes and tornado country. He shook it, hit it against the wall. The needle refused to budge. And 
And uh, the man thought it was broke. And so he put it back in the box, drove to the post office to mail it back to the manufacturer. And while he was gone, his house blew away. True story. William Manchester, a historian, tells that story. Where there, where there is no forecast, people are not prepared. Where there's no vision, people are going to perish. I, I want to know what is happening in this last day. Uh, in this countdown to the end, there is a gathering storm. We're already feeling the outer bands of it. But I, I have a message. I have a message. Paul said, you don't even need me to write to you about the times and seasons that you're not caught unaware as a thief in the night. You're ready. You're ready. You've got the hope of the Lord's return inside of us. God wants us that ready, that prepared. This passage that I read from the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica, I just, I can't get away from it. It speaks comfort to my heart in this troubled time that we're living in. That group of people believed that the world was soon passing and that the Lord was going to soon appear and take them into heaven. And Paul encouraged them to hold on to this idea and yet at the same time be a light to the dark world around them. Paul had just finished discussing the glorious hope to those that believe. And then he said, again, you don't need for me. There's something about you that you're so prepared. I don't even need to remind you of the times and seasons we're living in. You've been warned. You've been told. You know the suddenness of it all. Let me just say something here. Let me say something to a 21st century church, to a church locked into the last quarter of the year 2020. God knows the future and prepares us for it. Do you know that when it was written, the Bible was one-third prophecy, meaning it spoke to future times, and God would share the knowledge of what was coming for a variety of reasons. First of all, that people may believe. Jesus said that in John 14 on the eve of Calvary. He said, now I've told you before it come to pass that when it come to pass, you might believe. The reason we're giving... assurances of the future so that it helps ground our belief. And the second reason is that we may be prepared, that we may be prepared and not caught off guard. But I love this final reason that we may be comforted. Comfort yourselves together with these words. What does the Bible say about the future? It will not tell you if You'll meet the person of your dreams or make a 4.0 in that degree you're taking. It, it, it paints with a broad brush mostly, but at times it speaks with such fine line specificity. How does the Bible present the future? Let me give you a, let me give you an overview. Here's what we're preparing for. World tensions are going to continue to build. The Lord is preparing a group of believers to spread the gospel around this world and then to be raptured into his presence. People's attention will be focused increasingly on the Middle East. Nations will go at war with each other for control of that area. People are going to be seeking safety, security, stability more than anything else. And the world events will usher in a man who purports to have the answers to the world's issues. He will promise worldwide peace and will broker peace agreements in the Middle East with Israel. And then God will begin to pour out his wrath upon a world that has rejected him. The time is known as tribulation. It will be a time never seen before. 
Jesus then at the close of the tribulation will return with his church to rule and reign. We do not seek signs, but signs are given to make it obvious to those who seek God's face. God has given us timely signposts on this journey into eternity. We've discussed two of the super signs, knowledge and travel, the explosion, the proliferation of that found in Daniel 12. We discussed yesterday the four signs of the beginning of sorrow, the deception, the disruption, the disaster, and disease. But today I want to add a fifth word, a fifth word that will mark these times in anticipation of the rapture, the catching away of the bride. And that word is distress. Jesus said in Luke 21, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations, perplexity, sea, waves, roaring, men's hearts, failing them for fear and, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken, shaken, failing for fear, because they're looking at what's happening and they sense a distress that's come upon this world. And isn't that where we are? We, we're in the midst of a killer virus. We're in the midst of a tanked economy. We're in the midst of such division and hatred and anger and strife. Can you hear the footfalls of the approaching Savior? The rapture is on its way. No wonder the world will follow after anyone who claims to have an answer. They seek an answer. Old economies and nations from under the old Roman Empire are regathering, have regathered, just as Daniel's vision foretold. A weakened glimpse of a final day empire. But, but in the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, there is time remaining for everybody to get ready. Oh, get ready, my brother, my sister. Jesus said, when these things when you see these things come to pass, look up, lift up your heads, your redemption draweth nigh. As I mentioned earlier this week, Jesus compared the rapture as it was in the days of Noah. And here's what encourages me about Noah. He was forewarned. He found grace. This is what the Bible says. He found grace in God's sight. Grace for the storm of the last day. Grace to prepare an ark. Grace for salvation. He built an ark, built it big enough for others, made room in his life for others, told others about his encounter with heaven. And when the ark was ready, the storm came. God controls the clock and he's preparing us and he's preparing a way of escape for you and me. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 24, 44, therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as you think not the son of man cometh. He comes, Paul said, as that thief in the night. I've told you what on earth is going on, but could I shift at the end of this week? Could I just shift and tell you what is happening in heaven right now? Oh, praise God. I want to tell you there is more joy and excitement in heaven than there has been for 2,000 years. Oh, when angels filled the night sky over Bethlehem and a multitude of heavenly hosts. Don't you understand 
that Jesus said in his parables, the kingdom of heaven is like a party. It's like a celebration. Don't you know that heaven is getting ready for the greatest celebration that you and I can ever imagine? There is more joy in heaven right now over sinners repenting, over the last day revival and harvest that we're seeing, this awakening that we're experiencing. Jesus has prepared a place for those who love him. He said, I'm coming back. I'm going to receive you unto myself. What a gathering. What a gathering that is going to be. Heaven is getting ready for the greatest party this world has ever seen. I I love that passage of scripture. You know, and I, you know, that Paul said that the, we're going to hear the sound of a trumpet. We're going to hear the voice of the archangel. Now, I, I don't know what you think the voice of the archangel is. I sort of think it it's sort of an angelic yahoo. I mean, it's just come a tie, yippee, yippee, I mean, it's it's one of those remarkable moments that angel's just going to say, we've put up with this for thousands of years, and now a new heaven and a new earth are getting ready to form. But the Bible says the last, we're going to hear a trumpet. We're going to hear the voice of the archangel, and then we're going to we're going to hear the shout of the Lord the shout of the Lord Jesus Christ. This this same Jesus whose words were spoken in whispers and whose teaching electrified people, there is going to be a shout. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus shouted from Calvary, it is finished, uh, to telestai. That's a Greek word, uh, to telestai. It is finished the shout of a conquering general at that time. Wow. And here we are going to hear the shout of the Lord. I I read a story a while back. It was a a man named Gregory Fisher. He's a Bible college teacher in California. He was a West African student there. And he asked asked Fisher a question. He said, I want to know what the shout of the Lord is. I want to know what the Lord's going to shout. What's he going to say? The student persisted. He said, I, I, and Fisher didn't want to answer. He didn't have an answer. He said, Paul says that Christ will descend from heaven with a shout. First Thessalonians 4, 16. I want to know what that shout is. What is that command? What is that loud utterance? Fisher thought, I have no idea what the Lord is going to shout. But then his mind went back earlier in the day to a conversation he had with a gentleman from Liberia. He had been forced to flee his country ahead of oppression, narrowly escaped with his wife and some of his family, refugees to a neighboring country. Two of his children lost their lives in that run for their life. And the Bible school instructor thought of the people like that man, scarred, injured by life, and the destruction of dignity that had been sin that was brought upon mankind. And at that moment, an answer came in his mind to that student's question. He said, you want to know what the Lord is going to shout? I'm going to tell you what he's going to shout. One word, enough. When Jesus comes back, he will shout enough. And the student asked, what do you mean enough? What do you mean? That's what Jesus will say. The Bible college instructor said, sure. I believe more and more in my own heart and mind, that's what he's going to say, that Jesus is going to shout enough. Enough sin, enough evil, enough suffering, enough pain, enough fear, enough anxiety, 
enough depression, enough terror, enough death, enough starvation, enough hopelessness, enough sickness, enough disease. Yes, I I believe that's what he's going to shout. Enough. You get the picture. Enough. I, I think that's what our world needs to hear in 2020 when God says that's enough. It's enough. It's enough coronavirus. It's enough COVID-19. It's enough plague. It's enough fear, anxiousness, and anger. It's enough stress and distress uh, that I have it all in control. It's the moment when God says enough. No wonder we comfort ourselves with these words, uh, because we know that God will one day say enough. It's enough. Enemy, you've had your play day long enough. Evil, you've had your moment long enough. But where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. So I'm telling you in this morning devotion group, uh, June and Anita and Patty and Lillian, let's live this life. Let's live it to its fullest. Let's live each day as if it's our last. Uh, Let's make this day, this Friday, count for the kingdom, that prodigals can come home, that families Families going to be saved, that the loss will be regathered because there's going to be a shout of heaven soon. God is going to shout enough. That's enough of all of this. The Prince of Peace is coming to bring peace to this world. I'm looking forward to it. My heart is set on the eastern sky. Oh, praise God. Thank you for being a part of Morning Devotion this week. Thank you for indulging me and allowing me and to spend five days on a countdown to eternity. I hope you've been challenged. I hope your heart has been warned. Share this with others. Leave your prayer requests. And may God be with you today. And may God see you through. And may God lead you to that person who needs him the most. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. Lord willing, I look forward to seeing you again Monday morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.